is sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. If there is anyone out there who still doubts that America is a place where all things are possible, America was founded on liberty and independence and not government coercion, domination, and control. We are born free and we will stay free. Tonight, we renew our resolve that America will never be a socialist country. What magic wand do you have? A really strong job report to start the year, finishing really after a very strong year last year. 2.6 million jobs created last year, and, and here the first month of this year, 304,000 net new jobs. That's more the economists had expected. And now, Stacy Washington. Welcome back to the program. Well, uh, and thank you for being here today. We have another fantastic guest for you here in hour two. We have Liz Harrington. She's the RNC's national spokesperson, newest person to fill that role. And we're excited to get to chat with her. She uh, is formerly of the award-winning Washington Free Beacon. And so she's going to join us today to talk about, and, and this is fantastic, the American dream trumps the Democratic Party's socialist delusion. That's her piece over at townhall.com. Uh, you can find it over at our, the link to it over at our Facebook page, Stacy on the Right. Also, don't forget to subscribe at stacyontheright.com. Also hit the like button on Twitter and Instagram. You don't want to miss any of the cool stuff. Um, just as surely as I, uh, I do go and unplug on the weekends, but we also keep a little bit of just a little stream of information going on those sites so you can check it out and, and kind of keep up with what's going on. Um, so right now, I, I think this is like one of those finally moments. It's like everyone's waking up out of a stupor. Um, and I know that the obstruction by the Democrats has been really it's difficult to get around a group of people who just won't vote for anything sensible on immigration. But now Senator Graham is saying he plans to introduce a bill that will solve the immigration problem. And I think he is seeing an opportunity here because if Democrats don't deal, the president will ship illegal aliens to their districts and dump them there. And the threat of that is causing people who normally don't pay attention to politics, people who are hard on the left, everyone's rethinking their positions. Do we really want illegal aliens all over the country? Yes. But do we, do we want them in our cities and towns and neighborhoods? No. And so they're going to call their, they already have. It, there's no reason why that three panel uh, of, of judges, the panel of three judges, would convene that quickly to reverse one of their own friends without there have been political pressure applied, serious political pressure. So you know what? So be it. If you want to make this about whether or not your constituents really believe in that garbage they're voting for, that's a perfect conversation for us to have. It's it's way overdue, in fact. So here's Senator Graham talking about this bill. He thinks, you know, it is it's the opportune time to bring it up. It's number three. Yeah, I'm tired of talking about this problem. I want to fix it. I think all Americans should want both parties to fix this problem. The president has correctly identified uh, the crisis at the border. Now it's time to have a legislative solution. 
you need to change our laws for this to stop. So I'll be introducing a package and hopefully with democratic support that will change our asylum laws. 90% of the people apply for asylum, never make it, so the standard needs to change. We have a court decision called the Flores decision that says you can only hold a minor child 20 days. If a family comes here with a minor child, we release the entire family after 20 days because we don't have bed space, so we need to change that decision. And also we have a quirk in our law that if you're from Central America, you cannot be sent back home as a minor child because of a law on the books that prohibits uh, sending children back from non-contiguous countries. So the only place that we can send a child back to is Mexico and Canada. We need to be sending these kids back to Central America where they come from. So I'm going to put a legislative package together right after the break. We're going to mark it up in the Judiciary Committee and we're going to get on with solving this problem. All right, so you're going to put this legislative package together, then you're going to bring it to a vote. Uh, so he was speaking to Maria Bartiromo there, and um, it again, we're not advocating for anything having to do with the kids. We're talking about the laws as they stand. And I, I think it's important to note that the people who put these laws into action are no longer around to be held accountable. So that means the people who are currently in charge of the legislative process have to undo the damage that has been done by others that came before them. This idea that we're a part of a treaty on asylum is also of concern to me. And I don't see anybody saying, why are we party to that treaty? Why? Just because we're that nice or because we just have all these extra places for people to come from other countries or kids from other countries have a right to be Americans? Is that what we're saying? I think it's ridiculous that we're still a part of that treaty. So here's the rest of, uh, he, he went on to describe a lot of, of the different minutiae about the treaties. I did not capture that, but here he is talking a little bit more about what he wants to do. It's number four. Yeah, I hope we do do more than just vote. I hope we solve the problem. Uh, the administration is going around Congress talking to Democrats about what they want. Uh, <clears throat> if we do change the laws, what would they like in return? I'm going to try to find a compromise here. The president's a great deal maker. But doing what we're doing is not working. Uh, the crisis has to come to, to an end. And the only way to bring it to an end is to change our laws. And I will be introducing the package to change the laws that attract so many legal immigrants from Central America and hopefully we'll get some Democratic support. So here's why it, they may be able to get some Democratic support. Because you got people like Cher. Cher, like from Sonny and Cher, you know, she's still around, y'all. She still does concerts and she's still running around on, on Twitter and she's very politically active. She tweeted out, and I'm going to read you her tweet. And I, I actually had to read it a couple times myself because I couldn't believe that Cher a reliable liberal voice who honestly, if they said, you know, any outlandish thing, I'm not even going to make an example of the crazy stuff. If, if Democrats say something crazy, Cher just parrots it back. If they say crazy, 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 she's like, and crazy, crazy, crazy in her Cher voice. So here she is. She says, I understand helping struggling immigrants, but all caps, my city, Los Angeles caps, isn't taking care of its own. What about the 50,000 plus, and then she puts American flag citizens who live on the streets, people who live below poverty line and hungry. If my state can't take care of its own, many are vets. How can it take care of more? And lots of different like um, 
punctuation, lack of punctuation, and then caps, capitalizing in the first letter of words. It's, it's, it's weird. She got 1,954 likes on that. Um, actually, it looks like she got, yeah, yeah, and like 304 retweets, which is nothing for her because she has a huge social media presence, and normally she gets a lot more retweets and likes than that. He is forcing people like Cher to agree with him. And I'm loving it. I'm loving it. So send them the illegal aliens. I know this was obviously a, you know, chestnut checkers type move on behalf of the president, but just send the pe- send, send them the people. Send them the people. That's what they want. We're fighting the liberals, not the illegal aliens. Obviously, the system is rigged so that it entices them to come here. We need to unrig that system, and the liberals are the ones who are standing in our way. And I just don't think, to be honest with you, you know how it is when you make a threat, whether it's to a kid or whoever, and they they knuckle under before they actually have to experience it. It's almost guaranteed you're going to have to bring the threat back and implement it later because they never got to taste it and see that it was real, more real than they've ever experienced and they don't want any of it. So you end up having to go back and do it anyway. So instead of backing off of this, I think the president should go for it. Send them a few bus loads. And by a few, I mean 10, 20, a plane load of what they're asking for. Cher actually was tweeting out over the weekend, didn't he say they were rapists and criminals and monsters? How can he send them to us? I'm sorry. So if you believe that, why were you mocking him over saying it? Why did you say he was a liar and he was mischaracterizing who these people were? Now all of a sudden it comes out that you really believed him? You thought he was right? I almost wonder to myself, did Cher secretly vote for Donald Trump? Like, and just act like she didn't? So she understands it. Um, I'm telling you, I, he sends them there. And when they declare that they are no longer a sanctuary city, he stops sending them. And he can go city by city. And, and let's, let's also talk about Oakland. Oakland is another area where it, it used to be a lot of black people living there. Now it's almost exclusively Hispanic. Send them on in. Libby Schaff is their mayor. She's the one who warned the illegal alien criminals that were about to be set upon by ICE. She warned them so they were able to hide and escape. Libby should get at least 10,000. Why not? Send them there. Um, there's also uh, Hawaii. If you sent them to Hawaii, they wouldn't be able to leave. Because Hawaii is an island, obviously, a series of islands. Why not send a lot of the illegal aliens to Hawaii? Barack Obama's home state, a very liberal place that votes liberally, sends a lot of liberals to Congress, people who obstruct the president, people who obstruct the agenda of the American people who want a sovereign border. Send them there. It's expensive, but it would definitely stop them from doing that stuff. Now, another place where we should send, the president should send busloads of people who have to be released into the country is New York. I don't know if you heard about this, but New York City just voted for $27 million in tuition for illegal aliens 
$10 million to be spent on lawyers for illegals facing deportation and $532 million in health care for illegals. So if you pay taxes in the, in the state of New York, you're actually paying for this stuff. When the Republicans in their legislature said, hey, you know what? We also have veterans, kids, the veterans who've been killed serving us overseas. We should give them some tuition assistance as well. The Democrats said, no, they don't get any tuition assistance from us, only the illegals. And they voted that down. I know you probably think it to yourself. You just have your, you're probably the space behind your eyeballs is probably hurting because you think it to yourself. Just how could that, how can that be? Um, now I know Cher didn't say it was time to secure the border. She didn't, she didn't, she didn't actually speak our language, but her frustration in saying that there are already too many homeless people there. It's almost as if she doesn't understand that if you already have too many homeless people, you don't want to bring in a lot of people who are in the country illegally. It's, it's like, it's honestly like whatever drug she took back when she was hot on the, on the, the music charts, just fried up any parts of her brain that could actually work. And it just, it's nonsensical that not only her, but everybody who lives in California, if you look around and see how their, their state is just degrading and deteriorating, that they wouldn't say, we probably have enough of that now. And, and we've done what we can do and we've shared and we've, we've been very open and accepting, but now we just have to go ahead and, you know, they don't like Donald Trump. Just call it whatever you want. You don't have to agree with him personally to say, we do have a crisis at the southern border and we need to do something about it. And we can go back to being bleeding heart liberals after we take care of this. So, you know, we'll see exactly what happens with her if she if she actually truly will c- carry on with that. Um, but there's a couple other things as we're closing out this segment. I, and I'll just say it. Look, Nancy Pelosi is no longer in charge of the Democrat caucus over there in the House. She keeps going on TV and saying she's in charge and belittling belittling AOC. But the ones who are getting the most television coverage are the ones who are in control. She can't get them to vote on stuff that she needs to get done, like the budget. And they're still out running, talking about the Green New Deal and saying things about anti-Semitism. You know, just you name it. They're out there. And last thing, accordingly, Democrat enthusiasm is down. And Wall Street has just said they think President Trump's up for re-election, that he's actually going to win it. Interesting times. When we get back, we're going to have Liz Harrington. First time on the show. Stay right there. American Family Association President Tim Wildman. Lynn Ingram and Jim Duncan, two Texans, support and believe in our ministry here at AFA and AFR. We know more about the laundry business than anything else. We know a little bit about a lot of things, but we know a lot about the laundry and dry cleaning business. They created a laundry detergent to sell to folks to support AFA. We just want to be able to provide a product that can be used by AFA to support the ministry. When you wash your family's clothes with Redeem Clean Laundry Detergent, you can take great satisfaction in knowing that you're supporting the vital work of the American Family Association. 
It's a unique way to increase your giving to AFA. For clean laundry and support of a cleaner society, it's Redeem Clean. Learn more about the Redeem Clean products when you visit redeemclean.afastore.net. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. Recently, I spoke with a friend who lives in another city. He told me about a young man to whom he has had the privilege of serving as a father figure, a mentor. You see, he and his family enfolded this young man into their family when this kid was just about 12 years old. My friend positively beamed over the phone as he shared how this boy grew up not only to be a fine young man, but a real follower of the Savior. I was impressed by this family's sacrifice to reach out to someone who needed help. Listen to Leviticus chapter 25, verses 35 through 38. Now, in case a countryman of yours becomes poor and his means with regard to you falter, then you are to sustain him like a stranger or sojourner that he may live with you. Do not take usury or interest from him, but revere your God that your countrymen may live with you. You shall not give him your silver at interest nor your food for gain. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. I want you to keep in mind these three principles that come from these verses. First, seek to meet the legitimate needs of those whom God brings across your path. Next, don't abuse those who need your compassion, who are depending on you. Don't have a what's-in-it-for-me mindset or how can I get something out of this. The third principle to keep in mind is that we too are in continual need of God's compassion. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. There is something to that line. Now think about this. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. More information about the ministry of Crawford Loritz can be found online at livingalegacy.org. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, it was really a pleasure for me when I checked out my email box and I saw that I had a message from the RNC stating that they have brought in a wonderful new RNC national spokesperson. So we'll still have some of our good friends from there available to us. But we will also be having, um, and first time on the show today, I'm so excited to get to speak to her. I've watched all of her clips at the Washington Free Beacon. And I've read her work, and I think it's amazing that she's going to be filling this new role. It's Liz Harrington. She's the RNC national spokesperson. Liz, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to talk to you. I was, I so I was reading my email. I'm like, whoa, things are ramping up. 2020, bring it, bring. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm totally ready for this. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, it's a great time to be at the RNC. It's a great time to be. Uh, supporting an awesome Republican agenda. So let's talk about that. You have a piece over at the Daily Caller. It's The name of it is The American Dream Trumps the Democratic Party's Socialist Delusion. Couldn't be more aptly titled, I tell you, because there's just, it, it's not just a delusion, it's like a nightmare. Every time you turn the television or the radio on, there's a Democrat there talking about socialism. And we know it doesn't work in Europe. We know it never worked in Venezuela. It can't work here, yet that's all they've got to talk about. Why? It's 
I mean, power. I don't know. Power and control. It's they. It's collectivism, and it's just amazing to see the Democratic Party how far they've come uh, from the party of you know JFK, uh, who was so anti-communist, and now today you have Bernie Sanders, the new latest poll. He's one of the front runners. He's leaving, and uh, he called in the in the 1980s before the Soviet Union fell. He was calling for the nationalization of all major means of production. <laughs> I mean, you can't get more far to the left than that, and it's it's scary. I mean, either. The way I uh, laid it out uh, in my piece today, it's just it couldn't. The contrast couldn't be more clear. You have a revival of the American dream going on. Home ownership is up. Wages are rising. Jobs are coming back. So much good news uh, out of this administration. And on the other side, the 2020 candidates are all all the mainstream ones are all embracing this radical Green New Deal, which I like to call it's the old socialist delusion, <laughs> and they're all embracing uh, universal socialized medicine, which would kick off 200 million Americans of their private insurance, and it would be a one-size-fits-all government-run complete takeover. And it's not just the cost, that it's astronomical. There's not enough money in the world to finance these types of programs. It's the loss of freedom and the, having the government tell you where you can go for an operation and what doctor you can choose. So the, honestly, the contrast could not be more clear, and we're really excited about making that, that choice clear to the American people that you know there's freedom on the one hand with what we have in President Trump and the Republican agenda, or it's the road to serfdom. All right, Liz, let's have a little bit of rapid fire question and answer. I'm loving this. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to hear what your answer is going to be. My first question is, Liz, if the Democrats actually nominate Bernie Sanders and President Trump rolls over him like a car driving over a donut into 2020 and he's reelected, do they learn their lesson? Do they return to some form of American style capitalism and regular like good regular order or no? The Democrats? Yeah. I, I mean, I would hope so for their own sake. <laughs> for their own, uh, but, uh, hey, I, it doesn't look like it anytime soon. But uh, that's the direction. They're, I mean, the millennial uh, central planner, Ocasio-Cortez, she's moving the party even further to the left than Bernie. So. Uh, okay. Yeah. And she's the one who's going to be around for a while. Because no offense to Bernie, but he is quite... You know, he's 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 getting on in the years. Right. They're getting up there. They, yeah. Him and Biden would be the oldest uh, presidents ever elected. So <laughs> they're uh, yeah, they're getting up there. I, uh, OK, so, Liz, honestly, you, you said Biden. OK, let's 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 go there. Fine. Let's go there. Biden. He actually has a chance of being the nominee with all the pictures of him sniffing women and gripping their shoulders and sitting behind them while their husbands look on a gas. This is a thing. <laughs> right. I like what um, Senator Kennedy said uh, when he said, this is just no country for old, creepy men. It's just mm. not. And uh, <laughs> I love how everyone's coming around to this idea of what we've watched with our own eyes for eight years of him mm -hmm. being the vice president. I mean, he wasn't shy about this. He, he wasn't. 
He's, he never uh, hit it. He likes to get very familiar with women <laughs> in public during uh, public uh, swearing-in ceremonies. Um, but, yeah, he's, it's not just that. He's got a lot of problems. The record of the Obama administration is not one that it was one of success. It was just unsuccessful. The, the recovery was anemic. Uh, it took actual Republican policies ushered in by President Trump to get this economy roaring again. And they're all running on um, so-called Medicare for all, socialized medicine. I, what is Biden going to say about Obamacare? It was a complete failure, and by the admission of the Democrats who now want a complete takeover of the health care system. So there's just not a, a solid record there. It isn't. And I, I think it, he would probably be really surprised, Liz, to like to hear you say that, or if he's the nominee, to see instead of him riding in on this like, you know, huge white stallion and looking cool and the, the white stallion would be the Obama legacy, the record, he would be hobbling in on like a third of a donkey and figuring out what's going, what's happened to me. Like, I thought this was going to be awesome. It's not going to be awesome because Donald Trump will take every single failure and contrast it with all of his accomplishments that he's had these past couple years with, you know, a year and a half left to go of, of more accomplishments that he might be able to do it's going to be an obliteration right. if it's Biden. Everyone says he's the front runner. He's the most popular, but it doesn't mean he's good against Trump. Right. And what it, what does he say uh, about their record with the working class? I mean, he's supposed to be this working class whisperer, but <laughs> those jobs <laughs> didn't come back. President Obama said you need a magic wand for the manufacturing jobs to come back. The yeah. magic wand, wand was apparently cutting taxes and regulation. Um, but I love Joe Biden also. He's, he's already out there apologizing for everything Joe Biden has ever done. So that doesn't exactly make the strong case for why Joe Biden should be president. I mean, he's, he's had to apologize for every position because he's been around for decades. And it is not the same Democratic Party uh, when he was when he was uh, running and coming up in the 1970s. No, not even close. And and you and your piece, you actually talk about the free market policies of the Trump administration. Um, you, you mentioned all of the high points, which we love to hit here, you know, unemployment being the lowest in 65 years, wage growth, which economists actually said, I haven't had one on my show, yeah, well, wages are stagnant and they're never going to grow. And so this time next year, we'll be looking at possibly a downturn in the economy, slowing of the GDP, you know, even a recession. That's not, none of that's happened. In fact, it's been the opposite. You talk about home ownership, automakers investing in America again. This is the kind of stuff that even the Democrats' propaganda arms over at MSNBC and CNN, they won't be able to propagandize these truths out of the, the way of America's voters. Right, exactly right. And you had the New York Times had to begrudgingly admit they didn't seem very uh, happy but they had to begrudgingly admit that, yes, most Americans got a tax cut. <laughs> the overwhelming majority. <laughs> I mean, the headline's absurd. But I mean, everyone has to admit that these policies are actually putting more of your hard-earned money back in your pocket. And the American dream is back. I mean, just like you said, you know, the, what was the dream, right? You, you could, no matter your class, race, creed, religion, you could 
make your way in this country and you can get the big house and you can get the nice car and you can have the family with a couple of kids and maybe go out for burgers every once in a while. Well, the Democrats, they don't want you to have the big house. They don't want you to have a car. They're even now saying, eh, don't have the kids because the planet's going to end in 12 yeah. years. And they don't want you to have the burgers either. So they want to control every aspect of your life. And it's just they're using climate change as another excuse for, for more government control. But it, it's just the contrast, again, is just inc- truly incredible when you see how much these policies of President Trump and the Republicans have benefited the average American and even the the poorest Americans, the bottom 10 percent, they're the ones that are seeing the highest wage growth up to 6.5 percent. And that's just incredible news. It is incredible. And I think uh, so for someone who likes to call, you know, twelve hundred dollars crumbs, I know I most people I know twelve hundred dollars is twelve hundred dollars, whether you're Warren Buffett, who he would take that and, you know, buy one piece of his own stock or a whole bunch of somebody else's stock and he would know it's going to grow. He would he would invest the twelve hundred bucks. Many Americans use that twelve hundred for something that they couldn't do before because it's yeah. it's literally just new money that they now have. It's just sitting there and they're like, wow, I can do something with that. And I I, I just it really pains me a lot, Liz, when I hear, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi and others who she's. She's rich. She's the daughter of a former mob boss. You know, she's always been politically connected. I don't know if you've ever seen the the image of her. It's a black and white photograph. She is wearing one of those um, like singer sewing pattern dresses where the top of the woman comes down to a V and then the dress fans out. She's and it's a picture of her, not a cartoon. She's got her hair pulled back in a ponytail, dark hair, the you know, the kind of sausage bangs where it curls over into one circle she literally looks like a picture from a singer sewing um like the little the little patterns but it's, she's real and she's smiling with her chin down ever so demurely at jfk <laughs> she's so right. she's always yes. been connected yeah. right so twelve hundred dollars has yes. always been a pittance to her even back when twelve hundred back then you could buy a whole car with it that was still a pittance to her back then she's not it, in touch that, with us it might be Right. It might be crumbs to her, but uh, it's not crumbs to the rest of us. It's just not. And President Trump gets that. And that's why we're working so hard to because it's not just the average bonus, which was almost twelve hundred dollars, because we can't forget about that when these tax cuts were passed, all these the, the the Democrats like to demonize big business and, and businesses, but not just big business, small, all sides. We're giving out bonuses because it was so great to actually have the lower rates so they could invest in their workers, so they could invest in the country and grow, create all these jobs. So there's been such a great effect from these tax cuts. And tax day, it's tax day today. It's still not a great day. You know, nobody really <laughs> looks forward to tax day. But with the tax cuts and the Jobs Act, really, it has made it a little bit better for Americans getting those bonuses when it was passed and then also saving the average family almost, you know, $2,000. And that can help so much. And we've seen the effects that it's done to the economy. Yeah, I I just I want to encourage people, and if you're just tuning in, we're chatting with Liz Harrington. She's the RNC national spokesperson. First time on the show today. I'm really enjoying our chat, and I'm talking about her piece. She's got a new piece up at the Daily Caller, which I've posted the link over on 
um, YouTube and on the, the live stream. You can, you can check it out, click through and read it. Um, Liz is formerly of the award-winning Washington Free Beacon. She's frequently on Fox News and all of the other, you know, big-lettered cable channels. Um, and so now she's joining us, and we're talking about, well, it's tax day, obviously. I hate tax day. I hate the weeks running up to tax day. Uh, the only good thing that's going to happen shortly here is we're going to have Easter. So that's, that's, that's where I get to, like, basically start over again because Easter will come, and I'll just reset and forget about tax day. But uh, you're right about one thing, and that is that – the large majority, overarching majority of Americans received a tax break. Another huge chunk of Americans not only got the tax break, but they got bonuses or they've been able to move around in this economy and increase their prospects by changing jobs because there are so many opportunities out there. And I think the right. president gets credit for this. He, he deserves a little bit of credit after all that he's been through with the Mueller investigation and the, the, just the nonstop onslaught of negative coverage for him. This is a great time for Americans to pause and say a prayer for the president and just kind of be grateful that it's, again, once again, I'll say it, it's not Hillary. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And and all those people said, you know, the stock market was going to crash if Donald Trump won and look and look what the stock market's done. And then all these people said it was a fantasy that the economy would grow with tax cuts. Well, it turns out it was, it's a reality. And it's done such a, so much. We've grown two, almost 2.7 million jobs after the tax cuts were passed. And we've got now have jobless claims are the lowest since 1969. Manufacturing jobs are at the highest growth rate since for three decades. Uh, they, the, the, all the smart people, the smart set told us that we were only supposed to get 50,000 jobs per month added in 2018. It ended up being 206,000 uh, jobs added each month on average. You can't explain it. You cannot explain how this would happen um, without the job, without the uh, tax cuts, and also without the deregulation, because that's been a huge factor in this as, yeah. as well. And you see, there's now more job openings than there are unemployed Americans. So it's a great time to hire in this country. Uh, all the new hires last month, 74% of them came from out of the labor force. So that means people are coming off the sidelines and getting wow. back in. It's just a great time to hire in America. And it's a great time to invest in America again. And it's all due to these new policies of this administration. Well, I just encourage you guys read this. It's, it's a great piece for us to go into the week on. Um, and also to celebrate the president really bluffing the pants off the Democrats with their whole sanctuary cities thing. He's just on a roll. It's fantastic. You are too. Liz, thank you for joining us. I look forward to speaking to you again. And uh, congratulations yeah, on the anytime. Role. All right. We'll Thanks talk to you so again. much. Great to be with you. Thank you. All right. So that was Liz Harrington. Um, you can catch her everywhere. So I, I'm looking forward to chatting with her and other people from the RNC who are good friends will be back on with us again. Uh, right now, we're going to go to the break. And when we get back, we will be talking a little bit more about everything. I have more news and information for you. So stay right there. Stacy Washington. And so to this day, I don't even, I don't eat green beans. If they bring me a plate of food at a restaurant and they've substituted green beans for some other vegetable because the other vegetable is out of season, 
I will make them bring me a saucer and remove the green beans from my plate and take them off of the table because I cannot abide green beans. And so, Chuck Schumer and the Democrats have to sit down to the table and it's loaded up high with green beans and they have to stay there until they've eaten them all. That's the table they set. They boiled the green beans, they picked them, they snapped them, they put them into the steamer, they've cooked them, they seasoned them with salt and pepper, and now they're on the table with a little side of butter and that's all they're getting and they're gonna have to eat these until they win. Stacy on the Right, weekday afternoons at 2 Central on Urban Family Talk. I'm Will Addison, director of Urban Family Talk. We desire to be a movement of time tellers. In 1 Chronicles 12.32, it says, The sons of Issachar were men who had understanding of the time, to know what Israel ought to do. In these perilous times, God is raising up a people of discernment who will see, pray, and act. We sound the alarm as watchmen. We cry aloud that God's people may be activated for His service. Join the movement at urbanfamilytalk.com. Help her in her time of grief, Father. Thank you, Father. Give her strength, give her guidance, and help her realize that you are there with her. Intercession is a unique form of prayer. It's praying on behalf of another individual. Pastor Joseph Parker of the Hour of Intercession. Our prayer life is to not consist only of praying for ourselves and our own families, but we're to pray much for the needs of others and the world. Listen weekday afternoons at 1 Central here on Urban Family Talk. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. It's no secret that many of America's public schools are a disaster. In public school, teaching grammar school kids about transgender sexual habits, making them practice witchcraft using Ouija boards, indoctrinating socialism, and many other things have parents at a loss for what to do. Enter the copy committee. The unsung heroes of grade schools across the country are the moms who spend a couple of hours per week copying worksheets and handouts for the teachers. This job isn't glamorous or particularly time-consuming, and it's not exciting, but it is a great way to make a friend out of your child's teacher and get your eyes on every sheet of paper your child sees. We cannot assume our public school isn't engaging in these practices. Your child is in enemy territory, and you have to act accordingly. Monitoring the school can be a partnership with stay-at-home moms if you're a working mom. In other words, make it happen. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. It is absolutely legal. There is nothing that he is doing that, that's violating the law. It's not immoral. It's not illegal. It's not petulant. This is, this is a, a move that, frankly, should be praised on both sides. But this is one of those unforced errors again. He's showing the hypocrisy of the left. The left is saying that we want to accept these people. There should be open borders. But then when it comes to accepting them in their own cities, they're saying, no, we don't want them mm-hmm. anymore. That is the definition of hypocrisy. We, we have to look at the unforced errors from the left. They continue to make mistake after mistake after mistake, and the American public is noticing this. If they're coming forth with proposals, that would be one thing. But all they're trying to do is stymie this president when, when he's trying to protect the American public. Mm-hmm. I've sat down and I've spoken with him on multiple occasions, and I can tell you all he wants to do is protect the American public. What's wrong with that? Uh, nothing. 
Uh, anybody with any sense knows there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so what, what do we have to do? Well, I guess we can just sit back and watch as he uh, kind of implements this kind of, uh, it, it's like a, a weird way of smacking back against what people are trying to do. Uh, what, and the attacks of the enemy, they never work. You can attack, you can, you can execute whatever you think your, your vengeance or your, um, whatever you got going on. You can, you can try it, but it's not going to work. The Bible says vengeance is mine. I will repay. That's God. He repays vengeance. If you try to set a trap for your enemy or try to attack them yourself, the trap that you set for them will ensnare you. The boulder that you hold back to roll down on them will roll onto you. Whatever you evil you lay up in store for them, you will receive it. You will get that evil poured out on you. I mean, I, I hey, I didn't write it. It's the Bible. And it's true. So, you know, try it. You know, if you don't believe it, go up against it yourself. Take, take, take it into your own hands, if you will. Um, so let's go to the phones. We have Jacob from Alabama with a comment on the sanctuary cities. Hey, Jacob, thanks for calling the show. Good, happy Monday to you, sister. Hey, how you doing? I'm blessed. You know, as usual, if we get any better, I'd have to be twins. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. And the, uh, the Lord gave me a little a word for you. <laughs> and it's funny, but it's, but it's real. Is that you're called to do what you're doing. And just endure, because every now and again, you can learn to a knucklehead, a heckler, all those kind of things. But do not ever lose your sense of humor, because that's the devil, and he's going to eventually think you're crazy and leave you alone. <laughs> well, I tried to keep the laughter up. I, I thought it was really interesting that we had, and you know, earlier, if you were listening earlier, we had someone call in, and what they were doing is they were attacking the switchboard. Um, and, and so you know, they, they discombobulated everything for a few minutes. And I, I'm honestly, I'm, that means we're over the target on, on, on the abortion coverage. That means we're hitting a nerve. And for some of the people, the nerve we're hitting is one that they can't handle because they're in league with those demons and that, and they're, they're not ever going to be willing to, to back down. And that's fine. Now for others, we're over the target because we're hitting something that it's been hidden away. It's been tucked away. It's been something that they've just not dealt with. And hearing that there's forgiveness in Jesus Christ and that he is ready and waiting to forgive us and to bring us into right relationship with him and that th- that there, that freedom is available to every one of us, even post-abortive women and men, come on. That That is some freedom right there. And sharing yeah. it, I'm, well, yeah. I'm loving sharing it. I love saying it. I love knowing that there's somebody out there who's never heard it before. When they hear it, it's just going to be like a wind rushing in blowing away the cobwebs yes. and, and they're yes. going to go to the father and they're going to receive that. That's all I need. I, I, you know, the rest of it, Hey, <laughs> but you know, the, yeah. this comes with the territory. When, when they feel it, when they truly feel it, they will not, it, it, it's like nothing else. It's like the rest of your life never happened. And it's in mm-hmm. perspective and you can walk in victory. And I, you know, and that's the main thing because once they do it, They'll spread it to everybody else because it's the most wonderful feeling that you could ever experience, you know, is that freedom in the Lord. And um, one of the things that happened to me growing up, uh, well, once I got saved, I was in the same church as, um, um, what's her name? Oh, gosh. 
Martin Luther King's niece, uh, Alveda. Oh, Alveda uh, King. Know, I, I, yeah, yeah, I know her very well. Um, we, uh, I did, did, did sister can cook, let me tell you. She oh, can I really cook. Can. I helped cater a wedding. Mm. Her and her mom, wow. Mm. I mean, they tremendous. And I was on the same prayer warrior team with her, and we were supposed to be actually going to Ghana, you know, to be doing uh, ministry. To show you just how far, if you know part of my testimony, how far the Lord will take you, you know, through mm. all, so many different things. And once people experience that kind of liberty, I'm telling you, it's like you left the earth and are in heaven. Mm. I just, I just can't wait for people to experience it. And I hope that, so I always believe Jacob, that when we're here on the show, um, it's for a reason, it's for a purpose and that others who kind of encounter the show, sometimes they'll email me and say, Oh, I just, I was just doing whatever. And I heard you on the air and I listened for a few minutes and, you know, I heard you talk about this or that. These are not accidents. These, these are appointments where God allows someone to intersect when it's something that really would be helpful to them. And it happens to me too. I will sometimes be, I'll just click on one of the stations on my TuneIn app that I've never listened to before. And I'll hear something. I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. Or, oh, that is so timely for me. That's God giving me the opportunity to hear that. And so I just, you know, n- not that I'm so holy and fantastic, but I know that this issue, a lot of people are talking about it because it is timely. Um, the laws that they brought up in New York and tried to pass in Virginia, those things are perfect wake-up calls for people who are just sleeping on it. And then there's the forgiveness aspect and everybody talking about the fact that there's forgiveness in Jesus Christ for if you're post-abortive. This, it's just, it's just, I'm so glad that God is doing this and setting people free. He's the chain breaker, the way maker. He is ready and able to forgive us, but he also, he takes time. He doesn't want anybody to perish, but he takes that time to make sure that he's catching people who are, they've been saddled with this bondage from having had abortions. And I'll, I'll share, I wasn't sure if I was going to be talking about it, but I, I will share on Saturday when we were talking about, I know if you're on the newsletter, you saw the pictures. We had a couple of pictures. I put some up on the Facebook page as well of us out in front of the Planned Parenthood in, um, uh, on Forest Park, the last abortuary in the state of Missouri that's a Planned Parenthood facility. And the, while we were there, I, I took a friend with me and she was asking if we normally have a lot, like, is it, is it really violent or are there people there, scary people, et cetera? And I said, no, we usually only have people, maybe a couple of people will yell something nasty out the window, but for the most part, people are honking in support. And that's a change because, 10 years ago when I used to go uh, and down to the Planned Parenthood and we would pray and I haven't been as much as a lot of other people. So this is definitely not me saying, Oh, I go all the time. I don't. But uh, 10 years ago, I remember going a few times and it was almost all negative honks, negative people yelling expletives out the window, people yelling, you know, go home. Nobody wants you here. Yada, yada, yada. So this time it was a complete reversal, mostly positive people honking and waving and giving us the thumbs up. There were a couple of people there who went off into expletive lace rants. It was like they were demon possessed and they were just vomiting out this horrible language to us while we were singing a hymn. And I remember other times that that's happened, like, like I said, like 10 years ago, I, I felt really, it's like, you're so shocked by it. And it's so upsetting. This time I felt like it was just in my spirit that those people are reacting 
to the fact that they know what they're doing is wrong. They don't want to be reminded of that. They don't want us out singing hymns or even to be there at all. You know, from Unplanned, if you haven't seen it yet, this isn't a spoiler. One of the things that the, the, one of the characters says in the movie is that when the people are outside praying, we can see a reduction in foot traffic into this clinic of up to 75%. And that is the truth. People don't want to go into a place where Americans are standing around outside, mostly women, but some men too, and they're just praying. They don't want to go in. They don't want to see it. It's too much. That is that it's, it's, it's an anointing that happens when God's people come out and they show up. So I just encourage you, if you're, you're listening right now, appointment time, you can go and pray at your Planned Parenthood that's near you. Find the 40 Days for Life, the Life Runners, Operation Rescue, any one of those groups, head out there with them to pray. Just pray before you leave, when you're in your driveway. And I say, before you even go get in the car, just pray, Lord, I pray a hedge of protection around myself and traveling mercies and that you would be with us while we're out here. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for these babies and then get out there and pray. And you'll be surprised at the wonderful people you'll meet. And um, it's not scary at all. And when you do it, you literally change what's happening in that clinic. And that's what you're there for. That's what, that's the reason why we go do it. Um, So as your time permits, the good news is, especially right now during Lent, the the run up to, you know, Easter, obviously a lot of organizations, Catholic church, a lot of different churches have round the clock vigils at Planned Parenthood where they're sitting out 2 a.m. They're sitting out there with hot cocoa in their sport chairs and their blankets and they're praying. And they've lit candles and they're just sitting out there. You know, that, that, I mean, that's, that's the kingdom brought right down here. When you have people just go out there and sit in their, their, your, you know, your, your sport chair that you take to the beach or wherever, just sit there and you pray and make friends, lifelong friends, eternal friends, um, because you'll be on the other side with these same people. So uh, fantastic. And I, I want to, if, if you are just tuning in and you missed our first guest, you'll have to head over to the podcast at AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Um, we were speaking with Cheryl Sullinger. She's the Senior Vice President of Operation Rescue. And their primary mission is to track and try to protect women who are being seen at the New York City Margaret Sanger Center. It's a Planned Parenthood there. Um, and they have a lot of ambulance calls and that's what we were talking about today on the show. Um, you know, she's doing God's work up there and it's just wonderful. Um, so I talked a little bit about Democrat enthusiasm being down. I want to give you a little bit more on that. Um, it's Dave Weigel of the Washington post, hardly a conservative. Okay. He used Facebook last week to point out a major problem that Democrats are facing in 2020. Now, I've seen these kinds of stories about Republicans. I've seen them about Democrats. So enthusiasm is something that political types and writers, uh, media types always want to measure enthusiasm because it's in their mind, a good indicator. I think it's interesting that they're measuring it this far out because really people are going to need to get cranked up. Not in this moment. Like you don't need to get cranked up to vote now. I mean, you're not voting now, but they're measuring it already. He wrote in his piece over at the Washington Post, underplayed political thing I keep thinking about. A lot of women were excited about electing the first female president. People have retroactively decided that no one was, but you probably saw the stickers on Susan B. Anthony's grave, the white suits. I just can't imagine who's fired up and will tell their children someday 
about their vote to elect 77-year-old Joe Biden, America's 45th white male president. Now I'm going to stop there for a second. I'm just going to just cue you in on something. If this is the new reality of the Democrats, where the only way anyone who's a Democrat can get excited about electing someone is if they're proposing socialism or if they are of a demographic group that has not yet been elected to the presidency, then they are headed down the road to oblivion. And I'm saying that because there's nothing wrong with electing America's 45th white male president. What we should be concerned with is that the person is a man of God or is called for such a time as this and is called for such a time as this and is someone who has a sincere heart for this country who wants to go do do the right thing, set wrongs right, you know, reopen the, the doors that have been closed and close the doors that have been incorrectly opened. It's not it's it's irrelevant what corporeal form that person is assumed. It's it's just irrelevant. So he goes on to say the enthusiasm gap can be overrated, but it's a real thing. I do think Dems overestimated how many women would be thrilled to see a female president, and that's got a lot of them just ready to settle for another elderly white guy. I you know. This is what happens when demographics is everything. Policy is nothing. When substance is of no consequence to you, you end up with situations like this. Um, You know, Obama actually made people feel amazing about hope and change, but his presidency was a disaster. The accomplishments are just not there. Stimulus was a failure. Obamacare, failure. Um, His foreign policy, well, we see President Trump undoing every little bit of it and resetting the stage on every single part of that foreign policy agenda. Um, so, but they got the first black president, and I guess that's all that matters. So if they're just looking for the first female president, they'll go with Kamala Harris, but she's not going to sit well with the majority of the voters. I don't think she can beat Donald Trump. I'm glad I want to see President Trump win again. But what about the foil to the Republicans, the balancing equation between the two-party system? It is a concern to see that disintegrate. These are interesting times. All right. Have a fantastic evening from the heartland to you. God bless. Talk to you tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of Urban Family Talk, Urban Family Communications, or American Family Association.